0: is good all the time. Oh, good luck staying awake today. No, no coffee. We're, uh, I'm sure that's going to get fixed, but we don't have coffee hour next this Sunday. Can I hear an aw? There's no coffee hour the following Sunday. Can I hear an aw? Oh, Oh, two (laughs) weeks, two weeks of no coffee hour. Two weeks of 10 o'clock service. Uh, Welcome to all of you to our Tuesday afternoon Bible study, the last one of the year. If you're joining us online, whatever year you're watching this, uh, blessings and welcome, welcome to you. Well, let's pray. God above, it is slippery and it is cold outside. So we just ask that you provide warmth for us today. Warmth of spirit, warmth of heart, warmth for our friends and family. Lord, uh, these, during these icy conditions, or sometimes our, our hearts can become just, just the same, and we pray that as we study your word, we w- learn of your love, we learn of your mercy, we learn of your grace, and may that warm our spirits today. In your son's name we pray, amen. So maybe on your sheet, it says 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it is actually chapter Jacob 2, the words are correct. The, the, uh, the title up, up top might not be. So this is a short passage, but we're going to uh, just break this down into the three different paragraphs and, 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 and dive right in. So uh, can someone please read verses one through four?
1: So I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? I wrote as I did so that when I came, I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy for I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you.
0: So so carrying on the thought from from chapter one, I think most of you were here for, for chapter one. Uh, Paul has to defend himself against the Corinthian Christians. Some of them criticized him because he changed his travel plans and did not come when he planned to. Um, they used this change of plans to say of Paul, he is unreliable, not trustworthy. We don't need to listen to him at all. But Paul explains there are many reasons why he did not come as planned. Uh, one of them was, I'm, I'm trying to spare you because I'm still, I'm still mad at you. Uh, So I want to put all my anger in a letter. Do you ever do you ever write down all your feelings on on paper so you don't say them out loud and 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 really destroy relationships? Well, Paul sent the letter. Um, Paul's most recent visit to Corinth was full of conflict and unpleasantness, so he determined he would not have another uh, sorrowful visit with the Corinthians. Uh, there were some scandals that were among them. If you remember from 1 Corinthians, there was one person that uh, needed uh, a little bit of church discipline, a little bit of rebuke. That'll come up later on in this in this as well. Uh, but he didn't want to have... Uh, he didn't want to make a scene. He didn't want to come and destroy all the work that he had done with, with the Corinthians. He wants to give them a little room, give them space to repent, get their act together. Um. Sometimes you need you need to, well, with a kid, I'm not saying he need to do this with the church, but with a kid, you know, sometimes you need to spank, sometimes you need to hug, All right? A little bit of both. Hopefully more of the latter. Um, I, I suppose I shouldn't put that on YouTube that you can spank your kids now. Uh, only once did we actually thwollop someone, uh, one of our kids, and it was just more of, hey, he wants to run out in the street. And so, like, it was, it was literally just a, a sweat on the, like, you will not do this again. This is a life, for us, spanking is a life and death matter. If you're going to do something that's going to cause you great pain. If I make you sorrowful, then who, who is he who makes me glad? Paul also knew that another painful visit would not be good for him. Not good for the church, not good for him. So, he's just going to write them another letter. Um. And I wrote this very thing to you. Paul wisely understood that considering all the circumstances, the letter was better than a personal visit. A letter can show Paul's heart and, uh, and yet not give as much opportunity for the relationship to go into the tanker. He would give them room to repent and get it right with God and with Paul again. So where's, where's this letter that Paul mentions? Um, some scholars believe that there was another letter that's been lost to time. Uh, in between First and Second Corinthians, they call it the severe letter. Uh, if 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 these are the kind ones, I don't want to read the severe one. Uh, is something missing from our Bibles? Uh, not at all. Not every letter that Paul wrote was inspired Scripture, and we could trust that what Paul wrote in the missing letter was perfect for them, but maybe not perfect for for us. Um. Paul hoped that, this, that his letter would get all the painful work out of the way, so when he did visit them, it could be a pleasant visit. That would be, that would be nice. Um, Paul did not enjoy confronting the, uh, the Corinthians. It was hard for him to do, yet he did it with many tears. Uh, his goal was not that they should be grieved, but instead, I, do, I say this out of love. I say this out of love. Uh, Someone once wrote that St. Paul's epistles were written with tears rather than than ink. All right, let's get to the meat of the chapter, verses 5 through 11. If anyone has caused
1: grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead you ought to forgive... And comfort him, so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake." in order that Satan might not outwit us, for he is not,
0: for we are not unaware of his schemes. Uh, this is kind of a pastoral letter. Paul displays pastoral wisdom and compassion here. So there's a specific person that was in 1 Corinthians that he said, you know, they, they, they need a little talking to. They need a little rebuke. And so now we're kind of getting the, the, the uh, what was his name? Um, and now the rest of the story. Who was that guy? Paul Harvey. And now we get a little bit of the, uh, the rest of the story. Uh, not to be too severe, apparently the man was, was put underneath the church discipline, as Paul instructed in chapter 5 of the last book. He received the, his punishment, inflicted by the majority. After receiving the punishment, the man apparently repented. But the Corinthian Christians would not receive him back. <laughs> Therefore, Paul tells them uh, not to be too severe, to consider their punishment sufficient, and to forgive and, and, and give comfort back to the, to the man. So, yeah, in the last book, Paul sharply rebuked the Corinthian Christians for their casual attitude toward this man and his sin. He commanded them that when they gather together— you, know, you might remember this line because it was really harsh— deliver, ones, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh— Remember that that was kind of a, whoa, were you condemning this person to to Hades? And Paul is more like, hey, if that's where he wants to go, you can't can't stop someone from their own destruction. Uh, Paul told him to put the man outside the spiritual and social protection of the church family, basically shun him until he repented. And he repented. And he did everything that the church asked him to do. And the church still said, no, you're still not welcome here. So Paul is like, you can't, you, you can't, you can't give the punishment, and say that after the punishment you're we're we're back to normal. And then after the punishment, if if they're still shunned, it'd be like going to God with confession. Lord, I sinned. This is what I did. And the Lord says, That's right, you did, and you're still not welcome. Uh, there's got to be a little bit of re- there, there's got to be a little uh, healing of, of of the relationship here. Uh, just as they were wrong in withholding forgiveness, they were just as wrong in, re- in uh, withholding forgiveness and restoration. Um, just just as they were wrong in the beginning, not wanting to discipline him, uh, they found it easy to err on either extreme. They were both they were too lenient, and then they were too harsh. There's got to be a middle ground, right? That's what love is—a little bit of middle ground. Uh, Paul told them to do more than forgive, but also to give comfort. Um, not just forgive and let him and leave him out there hanging, but welcome that man, welcome him back into the community. If he did everything that he was asked to do, welcome, welcome him back. Uh, their harsh stance toward this man had a real danger, because if they withheld restoration and forgiveness, they, they risked ruining him once again, causing him to be swallowed back up into, uh, uh, into, the, into the work of the evil one. Where's the one line? Um, what I, I have forgiven, uh, if there is anything to forgive, I have forgiven inside of Christ for you. Forgiveness is a real trait of the Christian faith. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. What are the schemes of the evil one? How does, how does, he, how does he get you? Or what are some common ways that he gets in any way he can? Yeah. Find out what tempts you. Yeah, uh, It could be lust, hopelessness, yeah, all sorts of things. Last paragraph, 12 to the end.
1: Ministers of the New Covenant. Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always led us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among us who are being saved and who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. And to another, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those who sent from God.
0: A lot of descriptions in there. door was open to me. Um, Paul was interested in ministering where God opened doors. Uh, The only way our work for God will be blessed is when it is uh, directed by God. Uh, Whereas we see a door opened, we have a faith that God will bless the ministry. Um, Even though there was an open door, Paul felt he could not do all he could do if he didn't have Titus there. Uh, There's a book of Titus as well. Paul did not regard himself as a one-man show he needed other people around him and beside him. Uh, one of the greatest threats to ministers out there is people who try to do it all by themselves. Uh, here we're blessed with a great staff uh, who, who honestly do more, more ministry than I do, so thank you, thank you, thank you, staff. Uh, second, uh, in, in this, he, he uh, mentions his departure from Macedonia. Um, in chapter 7, he writes about his arrival in Macedonia. So we've got five chapters here where he's on the road. Thanks to be to God who always leads us. Uh, he, he, he dealt with criticism from the Corinthian Christians who, because he uh, changed his travel plans. I know we're going back to that. So he, he goes with a metaphor here. Uh, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. What on earth is Christ's triumphal procession? Did you ever see, uh, let's see, um, well, the Ten Commandments. Did you ever see that old movie, Charlton Heston? There's, there's, a, there's a scene where, where Charlton Heston, Moses, comes back in from, from Goshen from a big victory, and they have this just giant parade of, of, of people coming in, Right? Does uh does that does that look sounder familiar? Anyone remember that scene? So uh, in a in a triumph the procession of of the victorious general they marched through the streets of Rome to the capital. Uh, first came the state officials and the senate. Then came the trumpeters. There was a there was a line like the Macy's Day parade. Y'all y'all got your place. Uh, state officials in the senate, then came the trumpeters. And then they came with the spoils taken from a conquered land. Um, and then there came elements of that uh, conquered land, models of conquered citadels and ships. They, they, would, sh- they would actually carry in uh, mock-ups of what they, of what they captured. Um, in, in one processional, after that, a white bull for sacrifice would be made. And then after the bull came the captives, the prisoners, the leaders of the uh, other other nation that they conquered, um, all the people were were they, they were in chains, marching into Rome, and honestly, they were they're going to be flung into prison and probably almost executed after after the parade. Uh, then came musicians with their lyres, and then priests came, and they came with giant censers, uh, big big buckets of incense, and they would fling it around so the incense would. Would, would come out. It was, it was a parade to see. You might get to see one in your lifetime kind of thing. So that's, that's the metaphor that Paul is going for here. Uh, but he doesn't put them as musicians. He doesn't put them as victors. He doesn't put them as uh, <laughs> the bull. Uh, well, he put them as the captives in Christ's triumphal possession. And then he goes with the, uh, another metaphor. He uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are pleasing to those who are being saved and those who are being, par- to those who don't follow in the way, those who don't follow God, uh, they, find, they find their way to another place. And uh, to, those, to those who belong to, uh, who have Christ in the heart, they find life. And those who don't have Christ in their heart, um, they don't find life. They find the other, uh, they they find death. Death of spirit, death of hope, death of love, and death, death. Uh, Not so much heaven. When Paul thinks of the greatness of God's plan, he wonders if anyone is sufficient to play a role in it. And... um, but only by the grace of God is he, is he a pastor. Um, who is equal in such a task? Unlike so many, we don't peddle the word of God for profit. We are out here because we, we love you. And we want the best for you. And we're here to try to save you. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Uh, Sincerity—the the word that they use—I'm um, not even going to try to pronounce it. It's about 15 letters long. It's almost all vowels, uh, but it means pure or transparent. Um, uh, with sincerity, like you can see that we have no motive, uh, ulterior motives. We're not—we're not trying to rob you. We're not trying to take anything from you. We're trying—we're trying to help you.
1: You know, as as some of these interpretations can, just like in a metaphor, there can be other meanings. So I'm asking if, uh, when I read this, I think of the altar of incense in the
0: temple where um, it represents the prayers of those uh, that have come into the temple and uh,
1: that rise to God. And they have a sweet flavor as, as well. Could this also, yeah, maybe
0: needs to be a, a little more stretch, uh, related to that as well? It, it, it could be a similar thing. Um, I don't know if it's a direct, direct cause of of, of that to this. Um, has anyone ever been to a church where they do the do the whole incense thing? Yeah, Catholics, Episcopal's. I've never seen it. I've gone to Catholic churches before. I've never seen it. I know. Apparently, I went to Catholic Light Church. I don't know. Uh, I've seen it on television, I've seen it there. Uh, but the whole idea is all right, what, well, what are the five senses? The five senses are smell, taste, you got them. Um, what's the one that's mostly tied to memory? smells. Uh, of all the things, that, of all our senses, smell is mostly tied to memory. And so my wife who grew up Catholic, she, she had a little bit of the cantor thing. Anytime she smells that, it just takes her right back uh, to a little tiny church in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but that's the powerful, that, that's, that's what smells do. And, and I could really imagine the, the, the purpose of, of, of the prayers is just another way of of experiencing God that takes you back to this is worship. We do this at worship. We light candles at worship. This is, this is important. Uh, I think you do that at your house too. Do you ever have a, when, uh, let me ask it like this. When's the last time you had a candlelight dinner? Has it been too long? Anyone have one this year? I'm just curious. Candlelight dinner this year been too long. Sometimes get the candles out, get the fine china out. Every now and then we set the table nice, uh, like, like twice a year. We set the table and, and it's just for no reason except just to do it, uh, where we get the night, you know, the, the best plates that we have, not the chip plates. We still have the plates that we got when we got married 26 years ago. But uh, we get wine glasses. We don't have alcohol at our house, but we fill it with, you know, the drinks. Of, and we, we to- it's, and the kids are like, whoa, fancy. All right? Uh, we do that, and then we say, you know, this is, this is important. That's how we say this is important, right? Uh, with, with the smells, with the candles, we, this, this is important. That did not answer your question, but that's where, where I went with it. Yeah. Uh, there's no Bible study for the next two weeks. Can I hear all? Oh, I know. Uh, but this Sunday, we have service at 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, one service. We actually have that for the next two weeks for Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. One service, 10 o'clock. And then Christmas Eve at 5, 7, and 11. And we look forward to seeing you there. God bless. Merry Christmas.
1: Merry Christmas. Uh, Pastor Mike, last night when Faye and I got home, uh, all of our windows were open. And um, I don't know what happened, but somebody had come in and ate all the chocolate out of our Advent calendar. The windows of the Advent calendar.